Welcome to the East Main Media Podcast, a series of conversations featuring leaders in a variety of subjects, including business, politics, media, and the arts. For more information, visit eastmainmedia.com forward slash podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by JLC Accounting, bookkeeping, accounting, tax preparation, and advisory. Visit jlc-accounting.com and by Tap Into TV, original video programming covering topics of interest in New Jersey, New York, and beyond. Visit tapintotv.net. Now here's your host, Brian Brodor. Welcome to part three of my conversation with Tom Bergeron, editor and chief content officer of ROINJ. Let's take another left turn because we can just keep going down this rabbit hole. Okay, last we left our hero. We're in Scranton. So I'm going to pull you back to New Jersey. So let's talk a little bit about the intersection of business and politics here in New Jersey. There's so many demographics that come to play in New Jersey, starting with the most densely populated state in the nation. It's proximity to New York in the tri-state area, being obviously an economic engine in so many ways, a lot of big business out here. But you mentioned earlier, you know, that business does overlap in politics a little bit, and ROI and J doesn't wade waste deep into that. But can you speak to the connection of business and politics a little bit for people who aren't familiar with it about New Jersey? So here's what I say. We are the most densely populated state in the union. And if you want to get further, if you take the top third of New Jersey is where all the people are, which people don't realize that density is incredible. But I like to use another phrase when I talk about New Jersey and how it impacts business and politics. I say we're the biggest small state in the country or the smallest big state in the country. (laughs) And here's what I mean. So I grew up in a lot of places, but I went to high school and college in Virginia. Virginia is a pretty big place. And the capital's in Richmond, and the governor can do things. But you really have four distinct areas in Virginia where you have the Richmond area, you have the Tidewater area, you have northern Virginia, and then you have western Virginia with the Roanoke area out there. So Virginia is a lot bigger than people realize. Trust me, if you drive down 81, you'll see it. And the tentacles of state government do not always reach as far. So New Jersey is so small that everything can come out of what the governor does. So there's two points. It's small enough that you can go end-to-end in any given day. There's no there there to some extent. We don't have a central hub. Listen, Newark is still the biggest, strongest city. Jersey City is tremendous from the financial aspect. Atlantic City is coming back a little bit. You've got the Trenton area. We can go on and on about different areas, but there's no central location. It's not like Indiana has Indianapolis. So, so much of it comes out of the governor and what the governor can do. It's the most powerful governor in the country. And simple business decisions can do it. It's funny. We're not a publication that worries about how our stories click. That's never been a concern. But I can tell you, if we ever do a story about where the governor gave anybody even $10, that clicks with our readers. So there's a huge issue in the state of I want to get my hand out. I want to get my tax incentive. I want to do that. So in that regard... EDA incentives and growth, and our publication has been on the side in favor of them. We feel that they certainly are necessary for the competition for what we do, is a big driver of activity. You can look at Camden alone and what has happened down there where eight or 10 companies, I don't know the last total of roughly a billion dollars of tax. It's not free money, as the EDA will constantly say, and they pull their hair out of. It is tax incentives that they have to earn for doing certain things. When the Revel collapsed, the Revel did not cost 
the taxpayers of New Jersey a single penny. They never met any of the need to get a tax break that came from it. So wherever you stand on EDA incentives and grants is fine either way. But the point being, there's a lot of tax incentives out there. So in this state, how the EDA and the governor goes on what he's going to support, whether it's green energy, whether it's manufacturing, you know, whether it's industrial, whether it's food, whether it's we're going to support Camden or Jersey City or Atlantic City, the governor can make decisions that really can shape the economy of the state more so than other states. But then you can take the other side of it. And I live in Morris Plains and this has come up. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest issues in New Jersey is home rule, as we know. And I don't mean home rule as far as taxes and overlapping services and this and that. And that's podcast number four. We can talk about all the services. But the power of one single individual to impact business. So the biggest complaint of businesses that want to come to New Jersey is just give me a timeline. Okay, so I live in Morris Plains. I'm Spacely Sprockets, and I want to set up shop in Morris Plains. How long is it going to take to get my approvals so I can get going? Shovel in the ground, building bit, get my permit. In almost every other state, they can tell you to the hour what it's going to be. You want to go to North Carolina? We can call North Carolina right now, and they'll tell you exactly. If you start here, it'll be done here. Texas, you can do it down. In New Jersey, eh, I don't know. Because it could be, you know, old man Harity might go to a city council event and hold everything up. So oh, let's yeah. take my small, lovely town of Morris Plains. Been there for 20 years. Love everything about it. It's like Mayberry, USA in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So a couple years ago, Honeywell, the small global company people may have heard of, moved to Morris Plains. Mm-hmm. And they moved from Morris Township. They moved. I haven't mapped it. It might be 3.4 miles. And the reason they did, and someone can fact check me because I'm saying this on the record that I'm not positive all the reasons, but Honeywell, to some extent, wanted to do some sort of expansion of their facility in Morris Township. And a couple of residents just fought against it and said, we're not going to allow you to do it. So finally, our mayor kind of called them up and said, hey, we got this building on 53. Why don't you come over here? And the entire company and the rateables moved three miles. Piece of cake. You know, the employees didn't move. They just, they made a left turn instead of a right turn out of light. So they came in. So, you know, win one for Morris Plains, lose one for Morris Township. Now, Morris Plains recently had an issue where a perfume factory company wanted to come in and set up shop in Morris Plains, bring small manufacturing. Whether you agree that manufacturing belongs in Morris Plains or not, doesn't matter. It was a company that wanted to come here. Residents came together and said... A lot of things, some of which I don't necessarily were all that accurate. I mean, essentially, well, it's a manufacturing company and they're going to poison our water and kill everybody was to some extreme, was it? The the validity of what was going to happen and, oh, we're going to have tanker trailers going through our town. There's going to be thousands of them every day and there's going to be crashes and this and that. However you want to say it, whether it's hyperbole or not, they raised the issue. And every time they had to have a meeting with the planning board and whether this should be approved, Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people would show up at it. I was at one where they had a transportation guy. I remember talking to him afterwards. He had to answer the most minute questions from literally 100 residents, each one coming up thinking they were Perry Mason. Um, (laughs) I hope you have an older audience. Well, you Um, already hit us with the Jetsons. There you go. (laughs) Millennials are not getting any of this. Sorry. And I said afterwards, I said, so they teach about this in college? He goes, no. And I do this four nights a week. So long and the short of it was... 
Morris Plains residents successfully blocked this company coming in. Now, if this company was going to do bad things as true and hurt the environment, this is wonderful that average citizens can come in and stop this and right. not have it forced on it. Right. If it was average citizens not getting it and blocking something that was good for the economy, that's a bad thing. I don't know what the truth is. We see that with affordable housing. Oh, no, we don't want right. to put affordable housing that's going to ruin our schools, whether it's factually true or not. The power of individuals at small municipalities to block things is incredible. Again, can be very good in circumstances and can be very bad. And the people who are listening, how they feel, will only hear one side of that answer. Sometimes it's very good. Sometimes it's very bad. But the truth of the matter is, if you're a company that's looking to relocate to New Jersey, even from inside New Jersey, you can't get any set timeline because you never know where something's going to get in the way. And that, when you talk to the real estate professionals, is one of the biggest holdup, is mm -hmm. we can't guarantee anybody. Companies want to know, I'm moving my company here from another state. When am I going to be able to take occupancy? I need to plan this. And the fact that they can't get good answers, I think, is more disruptive to the New Jersey economy than any type of tax. Well, my thought is you could give them all the tax incentives you want, and if they don't have an ability to plan, it doesn't matter. Companies want certainty. Yeah. And New Jersey is very good at blocking certainty. Hmm. What's the path that that can change? You know, people go back to shared services. People say, okay, well, I live in Morris County. So what if there was a Morris County economic development agency that would make these determinations instead of on the county level and hmm. do things that are good for the county? I think you're too deep in it. The history is too strong. Hmm. We had an event the other day where some of the legislators, and, and it was Tom Kane Jr. was saying, it's really weird in New Jersey when you go to some ends each municipality is incredibly powerful. And in other areas, it's the county level that is powerful. So you can't just say, okay, we're going to eliminate all county government or we're going to eliminate all municipal government and local government because it's different depending on street to street, town to town. And I always use this example. So I grew up in Northern Virginia. And I tell you, I'm from Northern Virginia. And if you're from Northern Virginia, you're not and say, I'm from Northern Virginia too. It doesn't matter what town I was in. It doesn't matter what high school I was in. It just matters that I was roughly within 20 miles of Washington, D.C. You don't have that in New Jersey. I can tell you that I grew up in Cranford or I can tell you I grew up in Westfield. And they're right next to each other. And the demographics are virtually the same, but they're two different towns. And if you grew up in Cranford, that's different than growing up in Westfield. And you can go on and on in New Jersey. Every single entity is its own. In a lot of ways, that's a wonderful thing about New Jersey. I'm from Morris Plains. I'm not from Morristown. I'm from Morris Plains, and there's a difference. Yeah. Newark, Bloomfield, Montclair, three very different places right next to each other. Right next to each other. Yeah. Right next to each other. We'll be right back to the conversation after this brief message from our sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by JLC Accounting, bookkeeping, accounting, tax preparation, and advisory. For more information, visit jlc-accounting.com. And by Tap Into TV, original video programming covering topics of interest in New Jersey, New York, and beyond. Visit tapintotv.net. Well, we could go on for another four or five podcasts, Tom. Thank you for coming in today. I've enjoyed your deep dive. You know so much about all these things. Your story about ROINJ and, you know, starting up the publication and the platform is fascinating to me. Congratulations on your one year. What's the future hold? Where are you going with it? Well, everything's moving in the right direction. We'd love to expand more. We'd love to be able to cover more. We'd love to be able to hire more people. Mm. The media landscape is very interesting. It was funny. I, I got up and 
politely can say I had an outburst. At, I was at a networking event. I was watching a panel, and it was right before it was right before the presidential election. And it was funny. Some people in the audience were complaining to the media members, and I was not on the panel, saying, "Well, it's a shame because the Star Ledger doesn't cover this, and my local paper is not very good anymore, and they don't have that." And I finally stood up and I asked the room, and these were big, powerful business leaders. I said, how many of you are buying an ad in a publication? I said, and let me take that one step further. How many of you are actually buying a publication? How many feel that news should be free? <laughs> how many people in this room spend at least $3.95 on a cup of coffee today? But the idea of spending three ninety-five dollars a month to get information well, that should just be free. I said, so food shouldn't be free. Clothing shouldn't be free. Movies shouldn't be free. But all my media should be free. And you get what you pay for. And then you're, well, the, it's not very good and it's not very accurate. Well, you, you know, the free media isn't free. So as we go forward, I think if there's one thing that the election did and afterwards and the repeated cries of fake news, and that's a whole other podcast oh, yeah. there. Um, has made people realize, I think there's some eye-opening in that media isn't free. Media needs to be supported. It shouldn't just be, oh, I get all my news from Twitter. Okay, well, that's great. Good luck. Again, going back to my father said, the greatest bargain in the history of the world, but yet people don't want to pay a dollar a day for it or a quarter for it. Well, and let me throw a slice at you, you though. I mean, look, you're preaching to me about that, and I come out of the music business, which went through the same thing. Right. And everybody wants to complain about the quality of music and no artists are supported. Well, you know, you just stole 100,000 songs over a year. Right. So it goes. Podcast number seven or eight. My slice on that that I wanted to add is you've got the people in the corner yelling, build a wall. And they are not looking at both sides of things. I can say that about the same people who are wearing pussy hats, whatever. You know, that we are siloed in our media consumption. Right. That's the extra slice to that. Right. So you're talking about your dad's saying the post, you know, okay, those days are gone. Or are they? No, I, I think they are. I mean, we try to be middle of the road and different. I think some people want to read what they want to read, want to hear what they want to hear. Right. If you're going to follow station A versus station B, you're going to see, a, I, I go back and forth on this because I've never been in a news meeting where someone has said, well, we support this and therefore we're going to do it. Which everyone thinks happens. Which everyone thinks happens. Like... I'll backtrack to when I went to Kansas City. So I go to Kansas City, I'm the college sports editor. And if you don't know anything about Kansas City, there's a huge rivalry between Kansas and Missouri. And so I go out there covering. I don't have a dog in the fight. Could care less, right? So football season, Missouri's better than Kansas. Basketball season, Kansas is better than Missouri. But the Missouri people, fans are all up in arms. They're convinced I'm on the payroll of Kansas <laughs> and we're the KU star instead of the, the KC star and this and that. So I go speak to a Tiger Club morning breakfast. And I said, so here's my only question for you. I said, at what point in the job interview process do you think they let me in on the secret? Oh, by the way, we need you to, to cover college sports and everything we do 100% favors A over B. I said, did the, did the publisher tell me? Was that the editor? Was that the sports editor? At what point did they let me in on this big secret, you know, <laughs> of how it would go? You know, and I said, I, I didn't go to Kansas. I went to Virginia. I don't, I don't could Se care less. Secret handshake. Went. Yeah, I'm just trying to, to cover the news. So I, I don't know where we got off track on that, but I'm always humored by the people who want to see the bias see it first. So years past, I was a high school sports editor of the Star-Ledger, and I always love this one, and I'm going to use the Cranford-Westfield analogy. <laughs> well, when Cranford beat Westfield in, in girls' soccer, you made it the lead story, but when Westfield won, you buried it or you didn't have it. 
and I would sit there and say, you know, we've got an office of 40 people on the phone that's trying to take one paragraph from 200 high school games a day. If the game wasn't in the paper, it might have mean that nobody called it in. You know, I said, let me guess, was your big win on the road? Because the home team's supposed to call it in, and maybe they didn't, and maybe we couldn't get a hold of people. Or maybe, quite wow. frankly, I'm putting out three pages a day of nine issues, and I really don't care if Cranford beats Westfield or Westfield beats Cranford. <laughs> I, I just, I got a lot of deadlines I got to meet, and we're just yeah. trying to put this stuff together. And I know it's the most important thing to you, but I don't recall how we played the big Cranford-Westfield girls soccer game two months ago. That's not in my mind, and that had nothing to do with what I did last Tuesday night. That's an excellent example. Everybody has their own specific perspective. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, you're doing good things with ROI, and I'm impressed. I'm thrilled that you uh, would take time to come in and talk to me. I'm eager to see what your next year and beyond holds. I want to finish up with my standard question. Phone rings, and you pick it up, and you have a conversation today. You hang it up, and the person you just spoke to solved your biggest problem or challenge or concern in the world. Who was it and what did they solve? So if you want to go from a business perspective and my, I mean, paying for my five kids to go to college was my biggest concern right now. But okay. if you want to... Duly noted. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to go on a bigger picture issue, it would be the funding and the future of media. And things have changed. Things are supported in different ways. I have one regular guy that I talk to in the New Jersey business who he says, look, here's the only way the media survives. And he's hopeful that this might happen. He said, people understand now more than ever that media is important and the whole Facebook blow up and, and don't even get me started. Here's an idea. If you have a platform, you need to be responsible for what is on it. I'm responsible for what's on ROI. Yeah. Oh, well, we're trying. Sorry. We didn't, we didn't realize it was all, you know, yeah. whoops, whatever. Yeah. So the idea is who's going to support that? So Jeff Bezos bought the Washington Post, and the Washington Post has never been stronger. I don't know that he's making money on it, mm. but I know we're a better society because the Washington Post is stronger, and I don't think Jeff Bezos is in Washington Post editorial meetings and this and that. Right. So my friend always says, you know, Carnegie decided 100 years ago or so that we needed libraries for the good of society, so I'm just going to build them all because that's good. In an era where some people have an extraordinary amount of money, would somebody say, you know what, I think media is important. I'm going to donate a lot of money to make sure that this happens. And you're starting to see that. New Jersey just passed, and I don't know all the details. I don't know if we qualify. I don't know if we should apply even if we did because there's some ethical considerations where the state is going to give $5 million to local media. And I saw just yesterday where in Philadelphia, someone has donated $20 million to local media because they say, this matters. We don't have local media anymore. I'm going to support it. Here's your money. Right. And anytime media takes money from anyone, there's issues. And that's, again, a whole other podcast. Sure. But how long can media sustain on a sponsorship, advertising, subscription type model? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think people realize it. I read about one small paper, I think it was in California, where, you know, the local owner said, here's the deal. If you want to have your local newspaper that's going to have your school board stuff and your sports team and what's going on on Main Street, I need money. And pretty much a GoFundMe. And was stunned where the people of the community all pitched in and gave money. Said, here's 10 bucks. Here's 100 bucks. We value this property. So is someone going to value what the media does? and help fund it and help support it. Our company's going to say, this is worth our time. We are going to, and, and listen, I'll be honest, we know with ROI, there are some companies, you can sit there and I can look at it and say, that was a very nice sponsorship ad purchase that they bought from us. 
And they really can't justify it in that they're going to get quote unquote business from that. But I know that they like what we're doing and they want to see it and they help and support us. And that's great. And and we hope there's more people like that. I mean, we think there's value in advertising and getting your brand out there. But sometimes you look at it and you say, okay, these are people that just, that get it. They want to have a publication in the state that's reporting honest and clever business news. And if they want to have it, you know, which they're going to get business from through leads that they need to support it. So that phone call is someone that's going to say, we're going to take away the funding issue so you can do what you need to do best. And listen, there's not a company in the world. I could have a bakery and you could ask me the same question. I'm going to say, yeah, if you took away all of my payroll issues and I could just worry about creating new products, I can do it. But with the media, I feel like it's something special, something different, something important. And quite frankly, something that when it goes away, may not come back. I'll leave you with this note. This is the biggest fear I have. Mm -hmm. So I was lucky. I started working at the Ledger right out of college. And I can't go to an event or go to a place or meet someone without running into a Ledger alum. They're everywhere around the state. We were a huge news organization. But all those people are gone. And they've left the business. So people like me who over time would have naturally progressed to some of the the higher leadership positions in the Star-Ledger, and there are dozens of people like me, are all out of the business. So who's teaching that next generation of 23, 25, 26-year-olds? So if I go and the businesses collide, and then all of a sudden you're only going to have a business that, you know, doesn't have that institutional knowledge of what it's supposed to be, things are going to go down pretty quickly. So that would be my wish. Thanks for joining me. I hope you come back for the promised podcasts, 8, 9, 10. We have more additions to do. Pleasure. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Tom. Today's podcast is brought to you by JLC Accounting, bookkeeping, accounting, tax preparation, and advisory. Visit jlc-accounting.com. And by Tap Into TV, original video programming covering topics of interest in New Jersey, New York, and beyond. Visit tapintotv.net. This has been a production of East Main Media. Hosted by Brian Brodeur. Special thanks to associate producer Morgan Taylor, audio engineer J.P. Conk, senior producer Kayla Galka. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe and leave us a good rating. For more information, visit eastmainmedia.com. And thank you for listening.